Hi everybody, I wasn't planning on doing an episode uh, right now. I'm, I'm about to leave town and my uh, home is in a bit of disarray right now. You might hear things happening in my home, but uh, we've had some requests um, to, to do a little bit of coaching on Israel. And so we're, we're going to pray for Israel in a minute. Um, but some of you have told us that you're not even sure how to categorize Israel as believers, as Christians. And you, you're kind of going, are they our brothers? Are they obsolete? Is Israel just a historical footnote uh, being no important than like um, Egypt? Because, you know, Joseph fled there after Jesus was born. So they're like part of the story, but not really important now. And so I'm just going to address that before we pray uh, in case you're not sure where you stand. And um, I, I want to say this about this topic. You know, at Abe's Wallet, we're here to uh, help family leaders run their home and dough like a biblical boss. And um, I know that some of you want coaching in how to lead your family in thinking and praying about this war that has broken out in Egypt. And, and that's what this post is. I'm going to do minimal editing here um, it's, or it's, it's obviously a little more rough and ready than uh, normal. And I'll just say to, to be a, an, an Abe's Wallet uh, person, you don't have to agree with my take on Israel or, or the way that I read the following verses. Um, you do have to want to lead your family in a God-honoring way, and you probably have to have an ambition to prosper financially, but you do not have to see Israel the way that I do. And I hope that's kosher. Ding. Uh, okay, so we're going to do a really quick Bible review, and then we're going to pray. And this this won't be exhaustive. I'm just trying to hit some major points. Um, in Genesis 12, super important, super famous uh, passage. And it says that the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. We'll see later that land is super specific, piece of land is super important to God. Go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Now, that passage, uh, Genesis 12, 1 through 3, is the Abrahamic covenant. And uh, we usually think of covenants as, as conditional, meaning you do what you're supposed to do, and I'll do what I said I would do. But this is an unconditional covenant. You don't hear anything in there that Abram has to do, I suppose, except leave his country, which he, which he did. And God says, I'm going to do all the rest. We know that it's unconditional because God performed this ceremony three chapters later in Genesis 15, and God did all of it. Uh, Abram wasn't even conscious during this ceremony, and it was, a, it was really a promise that God made to himself. That's what this Abrahamic covenant is. And I'll just make a couple of observations about that passage. God made a promise to a to a family. He identified Abram, Abram as you're going to be the father of this family. You're going to grow so greatly this family that it's actually going to be a nation. People won't think of it as a family anymore. They'll think of it as a nation. Um, and, and he says, uh, 
he, he says, I'm going to bless your family and as, a, as an add-on, as a benefit of this covenant, I'm going to bless everyone that blesses you. That puts Abram and his family in a pretty unique position. Um, God later renamed this family. If you remember, God calls himself the, the God uh, of um, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Why does he do that? Because he's naming a family line. He's describing this family. You know that family? I'm the God of that family. He later names that family Israel. He does this by changing Jacob's name in Genesis 32. And Israel means God prevails or it means one who prevails with God. Somebody, some uh, translate that as he struggles with God. Um, well, that covenant was later expanded by God and it included land. So God says, listen to these words. I will establish my covenant between me and you, this is later in Genesis, and you and your descendants after you throughout your generations, here it comes, for an everlasting covenant. I have to ask, do we know what, do we think that God knows what he means when he says an everlasting covenant? To be God to you and your descendants after you. I will give you and your descendants after you the land in which you were a stranger, all the land of Canaan as an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. Now, it doesn't happen in this passage, but in other passages, he actually defines the borders of the land that he was giving to this family. And those borders are actually much larger than the present uh, land that's occupied by what we call Israel. They're actually much larger. So, um, to, to say the least, God's eye has always been on this family. He's extremely interested in this family. And as I just read that passage, it's never going to change. It's an everlasting covenant. Uh, you might, so, th this Moses covenant, I want to make this point to some Christians who, who don't understand how this works. Um, the, the Moses covenant... Um, outlined the sacrificial system as a different covenant, and it, and it had to do with dealing with sin. That is the covenant that was dissolved by Jesus coming and being, as Hebrews describes him, the once and forever sacrifice. The book of Hebrews is all about describing what Jesus's life and sacrifice does to the Mosaic covenant and how those work together. But the Abrahamic covenant doesn't have anything to do with the sacrificial system, so it's not affected by the life of Jesus. And I, I hope that doesn't offend you to hear me say that. Uh, the, the, I'll say it again. The Abrahamic covenant wasn't affected by the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. If, if you have a hard time believing that, I'll just suggest to you there are many things that God has said and promised that weren't affected by what Jesus did. For instance, the Noahic covenant. He made a covenant with himself for which Noah was the beneficiary when he said, I'll never destroy the earth again by water. That doesn't have anything to do with sin. doesn't have anything to do with sacrifice. So it was unaffected by Jesus's life and death and resurrection. The Noahic covenant is still in place. Similarly, God made this covenant with Abraham and his family, and he said it's going to be an everlasting covenant for all generations. It doesn't have anything to do with sin. 
God's just made a covenant with this family, and it includes this land that God outlined. And by the way, just between us, God has the right to give land to whomever he wants. He created the world. And he actually said at that time, he was displacing some various uh, kind of uh, nomadic uh, tribes at the time. And he said, "That's I'm, I'm giving you that land. So that, that happened way, way, way back. Okay, now, um, now non-Jews, us, we, we are grafted in. We get to piggyback on this story and this covenant that God is telling with this family because we have faith in Yeshua, who God chose to be the savior of that story. And, and uh, I, I'm going to keep myself from going on a rabbit trail there. Um, but I'll just say that this God describes this family tree as an olive tree, the tree of, of Judaism, not Judaism. Judaism is a religion that cuts out um, Jesus. So I'm not talking about Judaism. Uh, I'm talking about the Jewish people and Israel. And God's, God describes that family as a tree and says that we get to participate in that tree. Um, and by the way, Yeshua is, is Jesus's Jewish name, and he, he lived as a Jewish man, and he's Jewish now. Um, he, he describes himself in the book of Revelation as the son of David, even in heaven. So that's his identity. I'm, I'm you know, sorry if that offends anybody. I'm sorry if that disappoints you, but that's the way it is. Now, I'm going to read to you from Romans 11. This is my last passage uh, well, it's not quite my last passage, but okay. Romans 11 says, you Gentiles, this is uh, Romans eleven seventeen. you Gentiles, hello, that's me, being like a wild olive shoot were grafted in among them, which means God took some, some Gentiles out in the wild. We're out growing out in the wild and he grabbed us and he grafted us into a tree. We're supposed to see this picture, roots, trunk, branches and he grafted us in among the branches okay we need to see that picture um to share with the rich to share with them the rich root of the olive tree he says do not boast over the broken branches that means the broken branches are those who fell off the tree a broken branch they didn't believe in yeshua if you, if you had not believed in the Messiah that God promised and that he said would be coming, he said it all the way in Genesis 3, he repeated it in places like Isaiah uh, 58. Um, it said that this Messiah is coming. Further, if you didn't receive him, guess what? You also don't benefit from all of God's favor with this people, all of these promises. This is the tree. This is, the, this is all the delicious sap that's coming up through the roots of this tree. And God says, um, don't boast, talking to us Gentiles, don't boast over the broken branches and exalt yourself at their expense. If you do boast and feel superior, remember that it is not you who supports the root, but the root supports you. So I don't help Jews uh, be more Jewish. Um, it's because of their story that I have hope. See, it's a Jewish story that God made with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. It's their Messiah that he promised to them. 
I just get to believe by faith and I get the benefits of all of those wonderful promises that he made. Um, I, I'm, I'm adopted into this family, as, as Paul said. Okay, and then, and then finally in this passage, do not be conceited, but rather stand in fear of God. I don't, now I'm skipping to verse 25 of Romans 11, I don't want you believers to be unaware of this mystery. This is the mystery of the story that I'm telling you right now so that you will not be wise in your own opinion. Now remember, Paul is writing the book of Romans to Italians. They are Gentiles, and he's trying to describe them the story I'm trying to describe to you. That God has made this, uh, he's got this story he's telling with this family. You can benefit from it, he says, but I don't want you to be unaware of this mystery, so that you will not be wise in your own eyes. Um, a partial hardening has temporarily happened to Israel until the full number of the, of the Gentiles has come in. And at that time, all Israel will be saved. Whoa. Just as it is written in Scripture, and he's going to quote from Isaiah 59, the Deliverer, meaning the Messiah, will come from Zion. He will remove, that's Israel, he will remove, this this land God promises, he will remove ungodliness from Jacob. Again, he's using the word Jacob as a synonym for Israel. Jacob is who he renamed Israel. So um, this says that the story is we Gentiles, we're, we're born into this story. We were grafted into this branch. And after all of the Gentiles who God wanted to bring in from the foreign parts of the earth, with us unclean ones. He wanted to bring us into the family. And at, at a mo there's going to be a moment when the, when the kind of action of the gospel, I always think of the action of the gospel started with Israel. When Jesus was rejected, Paul came along and the action of the gospel is now with the Gentiles. And there's going to come a moment when the action is going to return to Israel. And then this says, at that time, all Israel will be saved. By the way, we don't know what that verse means. What does that, does that mean every Jew that's ever lived? Does that mean all the Jews who are currently alive? Does that mean all the Jews who have a passport uh, that say that they're Israeli? I don't exactly know. And, and people who say that they know are guessing, in my opinion. Um, but what, here's what we know, that there's going to come a point when the eyes of the gospel and people who are kingdom-centric are going to return to Israel. So when we're praying for Israel, okay, I was just with my, my dentist friend today. I had a cavity and I have, I have, I, I no longer have a cavity and I now have feeling back in my face. And I was, and this dentist friend of mine uh, reminded me that I told him years and years and years ago, he's, he was saying something about future events and what's going to happen in the world. And he reminded me that I told him, keep your eyes on Israel, just keep your eyes on Israel, because that's where all the story is going to unfold. If you look at the back of your Bible, when the end of the story, you're not going to find uh, Minnesota in there. You're not going to find the United States in there. You know what you're going to find? Israel. You're going to find the 12 tr tribes being talked about, because they're the end of the story. So you should permanently be very watchful of what happens around Israel. It is always going to be the case, in case you didn't know this, 
that the enemy is always going to pursue uh, Israel and Jews who are part of that family. They will always be the most hated people group on the earth. And if you want to stand with them, I'm citing Genesis 12 now, um, you can get a blessing for that. And you, you, you might be reviled for, for being a blessing with them. But, um, well, I got good reason uh, to, to be okay with that too. Um, Jesus tells me that uh, if he was rejected, I might be rejected as well. So when we're praying for Israel, we're praying for the story that God is telling through them. We want the veil to be lifted from their eyes. We don't know what it'll take. When will that moment be? I don't know. It'll probably be in a time of distress. So that'd be a great thing to pray for right now. Um, we want them to receive their Messiah. They have rejected Jesus thus far. The majority have. Uh, we are in connection with uh, Messianic Jews in Israel. My family was in Israel earlier this year. We have um, friends who are in the military right now. We have friends who are working around the clock to try to serve uh, displaced people in Israel, trying to... Um, there were hundreds of thousands of reservists that were called up in Israel. Every single person in, in Israeli society has to serve in the military. Um, so everybody's a reservist. You know, they called up hundreds of thousands of people and their systems are overwhelmed. So we have people that are taking care of. We have friends who are taking care of uh, reservists as they're putting an army together. And how does this thing end? I don't know, but I can tell you, now these are truly my last uh, verses, but I, I don't know how things will end. I just know that uh, Psalm 122 tells us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And Psalm 122 would be a great psalm just to pray. It's a, it's a blessing from God over Israel. And we just want to agree with God's heart. The, the reason that we pray for Israel is because we want to, we want to agree with God. If he loves this family and he's made an eternal covenant with this family, I want to be in agreement with him. If he loves this land and his eyes are always on this land, I want to pray for this land. I am not the centerpiece of God's story. I am a bit player out on the frozen tundra of the story that's being told biblically. I'm way out in the distance, but I'm interested in where the action is. Because I want the kingdom to come where I am. I also want the kingdom to come as, it's, as it uh, plays out biblically. Um, last verse is Zechariah 2.8. It says, um, He has sent me against the nations which plunder you. For he who touches you, this is Zechariah talking, prophesying to Israel. For he who touches you touches the apple of God's eye. I love that verse. And it just reminds me. Israel is the apple of God's eye. This Jewish family is the apple of God's eye. He cares about them very much. He takes a personal interest in Abraham's family in, the, in a way that he, that he takes interest in no other people group on earth. And now watch my language here, but the reason that he is interested in me is because I have been grafted into that family. And so we got it. We have to have this humble place that uh, Romans 11 tells us very specifically. You must have humility as a Gentile towards this Jewish family. I don't know if that throws anybody. I hope it helps inform you a little bit. And now here we are uh, almost 20 minutes in. I'm sorry for taking too much of your time. Hope that's helpful to somebody. You know what? 
I can't recommend strongly enough. You've heard me and Mark mention uh, one of my mentors here in Cincinnati is a guy named John Myers. John has written a book and teaches a six-week study, which is which is about um, the the Gentile Church, the the Western American Church, understanding the story that we're a part of. It's called the Israel Story, and I couldn't recommend more strongly that you. Uh, get John to lead a group. He does online groups. Whatever your Bible study group is, you could take six weeks and John would walk you through this amazing study called the Israel Story, which I kind of knew some things because of my former pastor of mine from Nashville named Don Finto, who has written awesome books. There's a great book called Your People Shall Be My People, which is a wonderful book uh, that would help orient you as well. But uh, John really, really helped lay foundations for me. I strongly recommend that for you. Okay, enough talking. Um, if you would, can can we pray together? And I'm asking that, I'm, I'm really asking that you would not just listen to this, that you would actually, wherever you are, that you would agree with me. If you're driving, you know, keep your eyes open, but I want you to agree with me in your spirit and let's, let's pray and ask God's blessing for Israel. Lord, uh, you know better than anybody on earth um, the trouble that there is in Israel right now. You know the name of every person that has um, been killed. You know the name of every injured person that's being cared for inside homes, hospitals, out in fields. If anybody's trapped under rubble right now, you know their names. And I thank you, Lord, that you care so much, that you you actually talk about, I'm going to care for you like a mother hen takes care of her chicks, and I'm gonna bring you under my wing because I care for you that way. Thank you for your gentle heart toward your people, Lord. And in your sovereignty, I thank you that you chose this family. And it was always going to be the case that they were gonna be the most harassed people on earth because they live in occupied territory, meaning they, they, the enemy runs the show right now. And um, he hates them. He, he hates the apple of your eye, as Zechariah 2, 8 refers to them. Lord, I just want to say I'm with you, Lord. I'm with you. And when your heart goes out to your this family that you chose, and you said, I'm going to attach my name to this family. Oh, God, my heart goes out to this family. When you say, I love this land, I'm assigning my people to this land. I'm giving them this land. I love this land. Well, Lord, I get real interested in that land too because you're my king. And so, Lord, we don't know what to pray in many ways when it comes to this war in Israel. What I pray is um, our Father, who art in heaven, your name is holy. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I pray for forgiveness, Lord. That's mentioned in the Lord's prayer, forgiveness. God, I ask that a spirit of forgiveness would run through Israel, that even while justice is being served and, and borders are being defended and armies are going to war, that I'm just thinking of individuals who's who've been attacked, maybe they've lost family members, that there'd be a spirit of forgiveness. Lord, I pray for Palestinians in Israel right now who are 
they trapped and they probably feel threatened and confused. And I ask God that your kingdom would come. I'm asking that it would come in Israel to Jews, that somehow in the midst of horror, you would pull the veil back and that Israelis, Israeli Jews would, would have a revelation about the Messiah. I pray for Arabs and for Palestinians in this area as well. For those who are trapped in Islam, I ask that the veil would be removed for them, Lord, and they might see the hope of their salvation is actually, oh my goodness, an un, kind of unthinkable thing, is actually Jewish, is the Jewish Messiah, and he actually loves me too. And then I ask, Lord, that um, just as you well, it said in, in Genesis 12, you're going to be a blessing to the whole world. Well, obviously, that's because the Messiah came out of this family, and he is a blessing to the whole world. He, there's an offer and an invitation of salvation through him to the whole world. I ask somehow, Lord, as the whole world watches what happens in the Middle East, what happens in Israel, I ask, God, that your fame would increase and the light of your truth would rise. And those who are seeking would find you, Lord. And those who love truth would hear the truth and know the truth. I ask for people who are shy or um, afraid, um, self-conscious of, I don't know, saying, I, I support Israel. God's heart is on Israel. I you know, there, there could be all sort of social stigmas around that, but I just pray for people to be plain. There, the, as the days get darker, truth will be crying out in the streets, so says Isaiah. And may we be those people like a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. I, I pray um, for hope, Lord, and I pray for peace in Jerusalem. I, I Honestly, I don't even know what I'm praying for when I ask that. I just ask for it, Lord, because you told me to. I ask for peace in Jerusalem, Lord. And I ask for your will to be done. And I thank you that nothing that can ever happen on the world stage will ever change your covenant promises because you assigned your very name to them, Lord. And the only reason I know who you are and know what the gospel is is because you're true to your covenants, Lord. And as 1 Corinthians says, no matter how many you've made, all of your promises are yes in Jesus Christ. We're so grateful for your faithfulness, Lord. We ask you to show mercy and do miracles for the hurting. We ask for you to rise um, as the morning star. You would rise, that your fame would rise, that your truth would rise, that your mercy would rise. We bless you, Lord, in the midst of trouble. And as Thomas said, where else do we have to turn to? You're the, you're the one with the words of eternal life. We got nowhere else to go. We trust in you, Lord. I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, let me just say this before we go. If you have a heart to pray, what the Lord loves is for you to just keep praying. And sometimes we can feel like, well, I don't have anything new to pray. I don't feel any sort of originality around my prayers. That doesn't have anything to do with whether God listens or not. He likes us to bother him over and over and over again. And he says, 
Don't give up in praying. Just keep praying. So even if you feel like I've said the same thing 10 times and God, God, would you kind of end war in Israel? Good, good prayer. Keep asking him. Let's keep bothering him. And uh, again, um, I'm, I'm really not trying to tell you what to believe. I'm trying to educate you about what the scripture says and give you some help for helping your family. And um, it, it's a wonderful little wish of mine that all of our families, the thousands of families that um, um, receive receive or listen, you know, at all to Abraham's wallet, oh gosh, that we would all be praying together unified is a pretty wonderful picture to me. So anyways, I bless you guys. Have a good night. It's late here. Um, we'll, we'll see you when it's regular episode time. Bless you.